Hi, and welcome to Natural Bliss Podcast for a better quality of life holistically. I'm your host, Joyce Wheeler, and I want to invite you to go over to my website, majestictarot.com, click on shop, and go to the Shungite for EMF protection, which is the electromagnetic field, and go check out some of those items over there, and also check out the organic skincare products. I pretty much have something for everyone, so don't be afraid. Just go on over there and shop around, okay? So today I have with me Stefan Zevelin. He's a doctor of physical therapy with a passion for movement and health. After a few years working in the physical therapy world, he started a consulting business, Love to Move, to help office workers reduce sitting time. The vision? Change the American work culture to help bring more movement to the everyday life of office workers to maintain their health, wellness, and ultimately the longevity of their lives. In his free time, he likes to write songs on his piano and guitar, critique a good cup of coffee, and play board games with his wife and friends. Stefan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. So tell me, how did you get started doing what you do? Well, it was a mixture of some would say maybe a catastrophe of events, but I kind of got jettisoned into all of it very much so. So I wasn't in, in physical therapy for, for years and I still love physical therapy, but I was only really able to touch one person at a time. You interact and you work with one person and that can be good, but I felt that every time people would come in, I would fix a problem. Uh, they would go and a year later, they would come in, same problem. And so much of it stemmed from what they were doing in their everyday lives and being in the clinic, I couldn't do enough for them. So I thought I got to figure out a way to try to reach more people, to try to educate more people and give them the power to change their own lives and not have me just sitting there nagging them all the time. And I decided that I was going to uh, start this sort of consulting business. And I started kind of nurturing this idea a little bit. And then I got COVID. And all of a sudden, I was laid out. And then I had to take extra time off because of some other things that happened as a result of the virus. And then I just thought, I don't really want to go back to the clinic. And so in a way, it just all sort of made me go, that's it. I'm just, I'm leaving the clinic. And this is my sign to just go fully into all of this. And so beginning of last year, I just went fully into starting to talk to people, educate people more and, and kind of giving these presentations um, and even and writing things about it as well. So what is it that you're teaching people? Because it, it, me, you know, I sit a lot. I work from home. A lot of the work I do is on, on the computer. So I'm sitting. So if I came to you and I said, Stephen, you know, I need to change something. It's like, I feel my health deteriorating. What would you say to me? So it's a great point. And when I initially started, I thought I was going to help people with ergonomics and come to find that many companies and many people know about the ergonomics. They know that they need to have a better chair. They might need to have their setup. Okay. So that's, but that's not helping. People are still having the issues. So what's, what's the next part? Okay, well, maybe they need to exercise or do some specific exercise. Well, I'm a physical therapist, so I've been giving people these exercises. 
I know people don't do them. I'm realistic when people came to see me, I will give them four exercises. Maybe they do one or two. And after they leave me and when they feel better, it doesn't stay. So what's the thing that they really need in the end? It turned out really to be habits. It's going to be more about us ingraining the habits of doing these small things over and over and over. And that's what I've kind of gotten into teaching more so about. And that arches into this idea of work culture. And really, that just means what are the general habits of the people around you when you're at work as well? How are we all behaving? So in your case, you're coming to me and you're saying, I'm having these issues that I'm going, well, what are your sitting habits? How long are you sitting? How much are you sitting? Where are you sitting? Can we change any of that? Because the other part that people jump to immediately is let's move more. Let's exercise more. Let's do more of that. And that's great. But... I think we're getting kind of burnt out with people telling us do more of this and do more of that and get this done more. It's just like, I I don't have the time or the energy to keep on adding more things to my plate of all the stuff I got to do in a day. So I've reframed it to saying, what if we think about instead of moving more, sitting less? So what are the things that you can do at your desk? You still do the exact same work, but instead of doing it in the seated position, can we change it? Can we now have you standing up for a phone call? Can you do a Zoom meeting with putting your laptop on a pile of books or whatever it may be? We're not changing everything to standing, but we're trying to reduce the amount that you sit without adding more and more things that you have to do uh, to get to that point. So that's the general idea. So then would a suggestion be that maybe I should get one of those standing desks? Yes, but that's not usually my first suggestion. And here's why. And it comes back to what we talked about as habits, because a lot of people will get, and I've heard this so many times, they get a standing desk and then a year later they go, I don't really use it. It's great. You have a standing desk, but you don't have the habit of actually using it. Your habits are, I'm doing this work sitting down. And so you have a good intention of, okay, yeah, I'm going to stand up and do it. So what I suggest is develop the habit first. So for me, I do most of my calls and everything standing up. I don't have a standing desk. I use a pile of books. I use boxes. I stand up and walk around the house when I'm on a phone call. I build up these habits. And sure, if I get a standing desk, does it make it easier? Absolutely. But I didn't make that huge financial investment and then just have it collecting dust because I never actually stand up with it. So I would say first, get into a little more of a habit of actually standing up maybe doing a stretch if that's what you're feeling that your body needs. And then if you're going, Hey, I'm consistent with this. I'm definitely bought in then buy a standing desk. And, and I, then I wonder, you know, I don't think a standing desk is, desk is for everybody because then we've got to look at our feet, you know, standing up on our feet, but I believe don't they have like mats or something there's all, all sorts of stuff. Um, so mats and standing on something cushiony, great, wonderful. Another thing that people don't think about is staggering your stance. So maybe standing with your feet, not side by side, but a little bit one in front of the other, or even if you have a little step to put one leg up, a lot of these things help to make sure that we're not stuck in this just static rigid posture, because even though you're standing, you're still not really moving a lot. So it's better than sitting, but it's not outright good necessarily for you. Um, And that's one of the things that I also try to urge is that, sure, sitting less, but also can we just make sure that we're having movement in 
throughout the day as we're doing a lot of these things. So those little mats are good. A step can be great because it can give you a little tilt of that pelvis. Cause a lot of people, when they stand up, they get a pinch in their low back when they stand for too long and those muscles get tired. That helps you putting one foot up on a step, but you have to make sure you alternate feet because if you always stay on one leg, then you're going to start to get some imbalances because you're always only onto one side and something called a perching stool, which you could use almost any stool for this, but it's this sort of in between, it kind of gets you into a standing position and supports you, but you're not fully sitting down on a chair. Um, that can just be helpful to, if you're struggling standing up for long periods of time, say for an hour is too long to do. There you go. You can use a, a perching stool, but those are really case specific kind of tools. Now, I have also seen that they've had these desks available where they have a stationary bike attached to it. Um, yeah, they have ones with treadmills, um, stationary bikes. So if you're, in my personal opinion, if you're sitting down and the way you're getting around it is you're adding a stationary bike, don't get me wrong, it's better than just sitting down and not moving. Your muscles are moving, the legs. Um, the idea is that that makes blood pump more from the legs because you're actually using the muscles. That's great, but you're still sitting down. And right. so it just seems like this almost counterintuitive part of that's a clunky desk. There's, I feel like there's going to be a lot to it. Now, if you're going, I love having that repetition. That is the best way for me to get some of that movement in perfect. Wonderful. Use it. Um, but I would definitely say do more of just the standing desk treadmill desks. The issue with them is a lot of people, when you first start productivity goes way down. It's so hard to concentrate on doing work and walking at the same time um, that I say first, just get used to standing up and doing that stuff. And then slowly, maybe if you just love walking, expose yourself to that. But I don't think it's necessary. Um, I think we can find plenty of movement throughout our every day without just having to walk in the middle of desk work. Well, maybe it'd be like an alternative, you know, so where you would possibly have a desk like that and then have one where you actually sit and be able to go back and forth. My concern with it is that when it comes to typing, I feel like my coordination would be off. Either that also going to fall on my face. Absolutely. And that's what, with me saying the productivity goes down, they actually did it on professional typists, um, yeah. is how, what they did the study on. And yes, their ability to type went way down when they got on a treadmill. Um, it, it came back up and it actually improved, but it was after hours of them. Um, I don't remember exactly how many, but it was hours of using this desk that they finally improved. So it's not as if everything is going to jump way up and you're going to be way better. But that is a point to say is that standing desks, probably the bike desk. I don't know exactly for that one, but, and the treadmill desk, eventually our ability to do work and function, it improves because more blood is flowing and, and we're, we're feeling better. But initially, yes, those, those treadmill desks are not, um, they're, they're, they may make you fall on your face. That's not that great. To that point, um, there are some available that are very just, they're just treadmills. They're just very tiny little treadmills and you can just scoot them under your normal desk. So you don't necessarily have to choose and get two separate desks. You can just move or remove the treadmill. And that, that can always be an option if people really want to. But again, I would opt in for just going for a lunchtime walk and getting outside into nature than just thinking, well, I'm walking on my treadmill desk and that's enough for me. That's all I need to do. 
Right. Well, being out in nature is important too. If the sun's out, we get the vitamin D. We're also getting those negative ions from the earth and grounding. So, but I understand you need to be barefoot, barefoot in order for to really receive all that those negative ions from the earth. And I'm here in Louisiana, and the ants are horrible. So. I do not go outside barefooted. And it's funny because I'm from Chicago. When I lived in Chicago in the summertime, I was barefoot all the time. And I never had to worry about ants biting me. Even now here, I go outside and stand in the driveway, which is gravel, and wearing flip-flops. And I had ants crawling up on my feet and biting me. My goodness. Yeah, they're horrible. <laughs> it's like, really? And to anybody listening, of the, if it's that same situation, because I, I understand, and even now it's cold, um, you're, you're not going to want to walk outside barefoot for the, a couple of things for that. One, if you decide to do the barefoot route, it actually doesn't take as long as people may think. It's not as if, oh, now I have to take an hour long walk barefoot. Five minutes is plenty. Even a minute is if you're not doing it at all and you're not grounding throughout weeks and weeks, even a minute is good. Now, if you don't want to do the barefoot route whatsoever, even just touching trees, but again, don't be in gloves. You have, it has to sort of be bare skin because that has to make that contact. That can, that can also be at least something as opposed to us constantly walking on concrete or whatever else the house is made out of. Right. And that's a, that's a, a good point that you make is that when you're to benefit from grounding and the negative ions, you have to be touching the earth, not walking on a sidewalk or we're walking on the street because here we don't have sidewalks. We live in a rural area. So we, when we do go for a walk, we're walking on the road. But also, you know, one thing I do like to do is go to the beach and just, you know, <laughs> yeah, bare feet in the sand and then the water with the waves just coming over. So that's another, another great way to ground. And it's, it's the perfect time. Uh, my family, we, when I was a kid, we used to go to Key West. Uh, for New Year's. We spent several New Year's down in Key West because it's still, it's the very tip. So it's still a little bit somewhat warm uh, down there, but the beach is great in, in a huge variety of ways. So not only the grounding aspect, but even just, we have things a little too perfect. Um, everything is very, very flat for you. Not necessarily. You're going to have little bumps whenever you're walking on normal ground, but in the city, sidewalks, asphalt in our homes, everything is flat, flat, flat. And our feet don't adapt appropriately. Uh, don't adapt appropriately to that, because they we really are meant to walk on uneven grounds and really be challenged. And so we're having so many people partially the flat-footedness is affected by that. That's not the only thing, of course. But um, and the beach is so great for that because it really makes you use your body and your legs in all these different ways, and it throws you off balance the way you were supposed to, kind of more naturally move. So the beach is a great spot. Yeah, we like the beach, you know, and that's even, you know, going for a hike out into the woods, you know, and coming in contact with nature or being, being near any kind of body of water is very beneficial for, for grounding. So what else can you tell us that we could do? It's like everything you suggested so far, I'm going, um, I don't, I don't know. It's like when I talk on the phone, and like you said, it's a habit. When I talk on the phone, 
I'm, I'm still sitting down. Mm-hmm. So it's like I would need to make a real conscious effort to start being habitual about being on the phone and walking around. But then a lot of times when I'm on the phone, I'll be talking to my friend on the East Coast or my daughter. And it's later in the evening and it's my kickback time relax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm not going to walk around. So how can how can we go ahead and do this? How, how can people go ahead and do this? I mean, is there any easy way? So there, there are a couple of, so the, the ways of saying, hey, let's reduce the amount that we're sitting by just adapting those habits, they can be a little bit difficult for sure. Mm-hmm. If you're the type of where you go, I need something easy, fast, but uh, I'm just going to add it in and I'm going to do that. Here's, here's a few for that. This is more on, okay, you're going to have to do a little bit more on the front end of actually taking the action, but it's not going to take nearly as long and as much effort of, okay, I have to go get up. Now I have to walk. I have to change how I do everything. Um, we need to stand up ideally, and this is not what I'm telling everybody to do, but ideally it's about 20 to 30 minutes that we really need to get up. After that, you're having more and more issues of less blood flowing to our brain and all sorts of other things. So what does that mean? If we can set a timer, or if you can say, okay, after this specific task, I am gonna move. And here I really specifically use the word move as opposed to exercise, because for some apparent reason, people think I mean exercise. And you can, you can do a stretch, you can do a squat, that's great. Um, But if you only think that movement is always exercise, you're just adding more and more things. Movement, especially for so many of us that are working from home now, could be doing a chore. So breaking up and saying, okay, I just finished this little task for work. I have one minute. Let me go. I'm going to take out the trash, come back and continue. And finding those ways of let me put this other thing that I have to do that requires movement throughout the day, breaking up the sitting, that really helps a lot. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to use more time because come the end of the day, when you usually do them, they're pretty much done. Um, And so Finding that. Now, if you're going, I have no idea. I've got nothing that I need to do that way necessarily. I actually did this for a couple months of where I wrote a list of th- of little exercises I want to try or stretches that I knew. For example, my low back, I, I, I knew I was going to have to stretch it out. And I always kicked myself for not doing it enough. So I said, okay, I'm going to write it down. That's the thing I'm going to do. So timer goes off. I started with every 45 minutes. Timer goes off 30 seconds, 20 seconds. I do that. I sit back down and continue. But that at least starts to get you into a habit of, okay, I'm thinking about this a little bit and I actually have something to do about it. Um, As opposed to when people go, yeah, I'll get up every hour and I'll probably do something. Very ambiguous. You don't know what you're going to actually do. um, And it's kind of hard to follow through on something like that. So outside of the, the blood not flowing appropriately, what other health issues are we creating by sitting too much? Sure. So um, I'll kind of give it more of a, of a timeline, if you would. So if we look at total hours of sitting throughout the day, um, about six or more hours, increased likelihood of anxiety and depression. Eight or more hours doubles our risk of cardiovascular disease. Now, those are kind of scary, but they can be nearly reversed with exercise. So that's the, the good news is that if you go out and if you do some kind of above just a very slow stroll walking or anything else that gets your heart rate up a little bit, 
okay, you're probably going to be fine there. The big problem is when we get past that, 11 or more hours increases the risk of premature death by 40%. Jeez. It's, that's a scary number, and that number is scarier because the researchers found that is not reversed with exercise. So even the people that were exercising and sitting more than 11 hours, that was still true for them. So wow. that's my other push for it's not about exercising and moving more only. It really is about sitting less and finding those ways to do it. So that's sort of the bigger reasons. Now, why the 20, 30 minutes? So in general, when you're sitting and we don't have the best of postures, a lot of times when we sit, most of us with that chin jutting forward, we're cutting off airflow and not cutting it off completely, but it's slightly reduced whenever we have our head forward. And if we're sitting for a long period of time, usually we tend to drift into that bad posture. That means there's less oxygen that's generally getting to the body and going to the brain. Um, like I said, 30 minutes of sitting, we have less blood flowing to the actual brain. So that's, that's important for us. 20 minutes um, of sitting. This one is an, a little iffy one of the genes in our body that are responsible for muscles basically start to say, let's break down some muscles. What that means, it doesn't mean we start muscle breakdown. By no means does that re relate to that. That happens many hours of sitting um, without moving whatsoever. But that basically starts the body thinking about possibly breaking down muscles is how I like to say it. So this is why I urge every 20 to 30 minutes, get up and move something small. And it, it's, it's really as even two minutes is what they did in the study, but honestly a minute, even 30 seconds, is so much better than just if you continued sitting for the whole hour or even three, four hours without getting up as many of us actually do. Well, we get up to go to the bathroom. Does that count? Of course. Yes. That, that was great. Um, and that's, that's, that's where I'm like, yes, it's movement. Your body doesn't know the difference. If you go get a drink of water, if you get your seventh cup of coffee or whatever it is you might be drinking, your body doesn't know the difference. It's movement. Um, so yes, absolutely counts. So how often should we be moving? How often should we like be like, okay, I need to get up and go do this because I've been sitting way too long? Sure. So while that, that ideal is every 20 to 30 minutes, we should get up. I try to be realistic because right now, if, if our habit is, I easily sit for two hours without getting up and my body feels no different. I have no problem. It's not as if I'm getting up and I'm moaning and groaning and things are cracking. If that's the case, then you definitely need to be sitting less and less. Start with an hour, start with an hour and a half and make sure that you're not really sitting more than that at any point. Sleep is very different because our brain activity is different. So I, I get that one a lot because people go, so what, I can't sleep for more than an hour? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it's, it's, it's different. Our muscles actually move while we're sleeping. But actually uh, an interesting point there is fidgeting um, can be really good at um, countering a lot of these things with sitting. It doesn't mean that you need to start fidgeting all of a sudden, but if you do fidget, um, it's actually a, a good thing. Uh, it's really your body trying to, to move because it, it wants to move a little bit more. So, um, but ideally start with an hour and really try not to sit more than an hour and then see if you can shave that time down more and more and more. 
Okay, one habit I have of doing is when I am sitting, especially like in a, the, the chair, it swivels. So mm-hmm. I'll sit and I'll swivel. Is swiveling good? Yeah. So swiveling is a form of fidgeting because you're just doing a, a small repetitive motion over and over and over. And then especially if you feel like it's kind of calming to you, like it, it helps you focus a little bit or whatever it is. Perfect. Wonderful. No, it, just, it just feels good. Yeah. And so, it, and it's just that, that little bit of movement and that's, it is so much better than doing absolutely nothing at all. And this is part of what I'm trying to get into that culture piece. I noticed I mentioned at the beginning is so many times for people in meetings, they're told don't fidget or kids in schools are told, don't fidget, stop moving. Don't. Right. And, but it's your body begging you to move. It's, it's trying to move even a little bit and we're kind of stifling it. So no, absolutely move unless it's very distracting. Uh, like sometimes people fidget by hitting a pen on a table. All right. Mm-hmm. Maybe in a meeting, that's not the best thing, but right. just remove the pen and you can still move your hand if you want to. That's fine. I'll sit sometimes and I'll play with the pen, put, put the cap off and on. <laughs> I do the same hand. thing. I'll just sit there and play with it. So what about that? Does that count? That counts as, as little motions. The catch with that is a lot of times the things that we do with our hands it's good. It's better than if we were just completely still and not moving, but we really want to make sure that we get our legs involved in some way, shape or form. So swiveling, most likely you're pushing a little bit with your leg. You're maybe pushing a right. little with your arms to swivel, but it's going to be mostly your leg. Whenever people have uh, that restless leg syndrome, right? When people are there, they're shaking their foot or they're moving their foot around. My wife gets on my case about that all the time because my, my feet are constantly pumping and moving. Mine um, too. Uh, that's that's my that's so much better. Yeah. My husband thinks it's a nervous thing, but it's not. It's like I'll be very calm just watching TV, but my legs just do 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 It's just wanting to move, and it's good because it's. So if you're having those kinds of things, you're probably less affected by all of this prolonged sitting stuff, all the bad stuff that we talked about, right? As somebody who they're perfectly still all the time and they're sitting for hours and hours on end that's yeah then that's a bit more of an issue um there was an interesting study that they did in terms of well how many calories do we burn with fidgeting is that even is it anything to brag about um and surprisingly enough up to 800 calories uh with fidgeting now i i am sure that that is more of the the leg is going up and down very i wouldn't say violently but like very much so and this is throughout the whole day. So this is probably somebody who's just like shaking and, and very much so. So please don't anybody listening, take that away as, oh, you know, if I move my hand back and forth, I'm going to burn 800 calories. No, but it's substantial. That movement, it truly does. It's not one of those things of like, yeah, sure. Fidget encounter sitting. It can really, really help. And that study was done um, in women. So it can actually, it, it primarily helps there. So men, we just don't have as much data. I wonder why that is. Well, why do you think that is? Which about the men? Yeah, do you think women fidget more than men do? I it's possible. I think it's just the way the study was designed. They were specifically looking at women. Um, I don't think that. Um, I wonder if there's an interesting cultural thing of where men are told to suppress it more, or if there's anything like that. I don't know. Um, Hmm. I've been told not to fidget my whole life and yet I'm constantly fidgeting. So who knows? Um, luckily my wife allows it. So, and when I say allows it, she tolerates it because I always annoy her with it. I've never been told to stop fidgeting. Good. 
I mean, is that what like the late thing is? Is that considered fidgeting? The what thing? The the leg when we're moving our leg. Yeah, that that's that's fidgeting. Um, and I think that's a little bit more kind of acceptable and easier as long as it's not distracting um, in the workplace or whatever else it might be. Uh, but it, it was more so in school or if, if you're disruptive. My fidgets sometimes, what they tend to do is my knee might hit the table. And so, yeah, I'm disturbing everybody. So that, in that case, I'd be told to, hey, stop fidgeting. Or I'd be, somebody would just say, hey, stop that. I internalize that as I'm not allowed to fidget, so I stop moving at all. Whereas in really they're saying, hey, can you not disturb us with that fidgeting? Which right. if, if you are one to be, you are not, but if a listener is thinking, yeah, I've been told that all my life. Maybe it's just because it was disruptive by noise or you were shaking something and it wasn't the fact that you were just moving. So keep moving, just don't disturb people. I know, what, the, what was it? I was told that I was moving the car. <laughs> That's some strong fidgeting. That's <laughs> when the car car was still, my husband would be like, "What are you doing?" I'm like nothing, just moving my leg. He's like, "You're shaking the whole car." <laughs> I also have a tendency of like getting up on the balls of my feet and mm -hmm. going like that with my knee. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's it. That's more and more fidgeting. There you go. And it's those those are using the bigger muscles of the legs. So then it's better and better, especially if when you're sitting. And something to pay attention to is, so if you're sitting down and working, and I, I guarantee this is kind of hard because I'm focusing on my work. Well, I'm not going to focus on the stuff, but if you're sitting down and all of a sudden you notice that you're fidgeting, how long have you been sitting? So because if you've only been sitting, you know, a minute or two minutes, then that tells you you're more of a high fidgeter than if you were sitting for half an hour or an hour before you actually started. That could also tell you that if you immediately start fidgeting, maybe you should go for a quick two, three minute walk or do some jumping jacks and, and get that movement in because your body's asking for it. I used to do that when I was, when we lived in Tennessee and I would be, I was doing school online mm -hmm. and I would get up every so often and just do some jumping jacks and yeah. then walk it out to calm my breath down and get that back stabilized and then sit down and do some more. And there's times that, you know, now we're talking about it, you're making me think there are times when I do get tired of sitting, especially say I, I'm writing a blog or mm -hmm. I'm doing, you know, some kind of research to where I'm sitting for a long time. I'll actually consciously be like, you know what? Laundry needs to be done. Go do some laundry. That's it. And what I love about that is, it's not, you didn't go, I'm going to go do a stretch. I'm going to do a yoga practice. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You went, I'm going to go move. I'm going to go do this other thing that, that calls me to move. Because I think a lot of times people mistake my message as I got to go exercise more. No, no. Just make sure that movement is all throughout the day. Perfect. Laundry. Um, I always like to say that I can tell which uh, days are full of video calls and which days are low on video calls by how my back feels at the end of the day. Because if my back feels great, it means I had a lot of video calls because I was standing for the majority of the day or moving ever so slightly, as opposed to if there were not a lot, I was probably sitting for, for a good number of it. So you get back pain from sitting? Um, I get back pain from, uh, from sitting at this specific setup that I have here, um, partially because 
my table doesn't adjust the way that I necessarily want it to. But when I say pain, I mean more of just an ache. The muscles are tighter. And I'm discomfort. Yeah, I'm so acutely aware of it being a physical therapist. If I can tell all the little things, I never want it to get to, oh, oh this is pain. It's always just, I'm noticing there's a little aching. It's been, it's been there for two or three days. I need to do something about it as opposed to waiting until it gets really bad. So, you know, I had noticed that when I was younger, I went next door to a friend's house. My brother went there too because there, there was a boy and a girl there that were, was our age. Well, it had rained and it left a puddle. You know, we had, we had what they called gangways. So it was a sidewalk that went from the main sidewalk, the public sidewalk into the backyard. So at the end of that, there was a puddle. Oh, I had had new shoes on. My brother and I were racing back. He went one way, I went the other way. And when I jumped over the puddle, I slid and I fell on my back. And it was, yeah, it was, it knocked the wind out of me and I couldn't get up for a while. I just lay there. And my dad came out and he's like, are you okay? And I was like, just trying to catch my breath. But it seems like after that, if I stood for more than an hour, I would have lower back pain. I maybe it has nothing to do with it at all. I don't know. But I noticed one thing when I, I worked out on a regular basis, I started doing planks, which at the time I was not a fan of. But I, I noticed, oh, come on, planks are no fun, really. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> but I noticed that from doing the planks, because it strengthens the core of the body, that I was able to stand for longer than an hour and not have that lower back pain. Absolutely. And so much of it is also the sort of compensations that we get into. So certain things we take for granted. Uh, we go, of course, we know how to run. Of course, we know how to stand. Of course, we know how to walk. We've been doing this all our lives. So obviously we're amazing at it. Um, but that's not necessarily true. We get into these ways, comfortable ways that we might want to stand. So maybe after you fell and you hurt yourself for maybe a week or so, you compensated or longer of saying, okay, I, I don't want to quite stand that way. And we do it. We barely notice it because our body goes, I don't like pain. So I'm going to adjust how I stand ever so slightly. And then that made you use muscles that were going, Hey, why are we alone? Why, we're not supposed to be doing all the work. We need help from the core. Why, why aren't those guys helping us? And so you had that issue. So there was no injury. And later and later there was no injury, but those muscles were still the ones that you were using. When you started incorporating more of the core, they were getting the help that they needed. And that was helping you sort of stand up. This happens all the time when people go, that's it. I'm going to stand up for work. And they go and they stand for three hours straight. And then they're going, oh, my back is killing me. And I'm like, well, you don't usually stand for that long. Your, your legs aren't used to it. Your glutes aren't firing the right way. And your core isn't doing what it's supposed to. You did way too much, way too soon. So absolutely. We kind of it's strange that we have to learn how to do these things, but a lot of times we have to relearn how to stand, how to walk, how to run. Well, I think more so now because, you know, they're referring to sitting as a new smoking. Mm -hmm. And I think these days people do sit a whole lot more than what they used to back in the day before we had all the electronics that we have. Electronics you know. add a, a lot to it. Um, and it, it also has to just generally do with, with what's required. 
um, kind of what we're required to do on the, on the everyday. So many uh, people don't really necessarily cook anymore. So that's another one. You mentioned laundry. I was talking about um, taking out the trash. Cooking is a beautiful way for you to get movement in and standing up. But so many people now order in or they'll drive out somewhere to get it or whatever it may be. And so we're technology. You're right. It's not only us being on the technology and using it, but it's now reducing how much we really have to interact and, and do these things. Uh, taking it way back, if we think about heating a house, um, we just now can click a button and a thermostat does it all and, and everything fixes itself versus chopping up uh, wood and putting it into a fire is so much work. Uh, it is so much manual work compared no, it's to fun. It's fun. It's, it is fun. And I also think it's fun. But if you I compare it, for, it to I did it for five years when we lived in West Tennessee, we did not have central air or central heat. Mm -hmm. We had a wood fireplace in the basement that heated three floors. And we had 16 acres of land. We would go out. My husband would look for the trees that were hindering other trees. And he would cut them down, use his chainsaw, come up in the smaller, and we would, me and my, my kids, would haul them to the, to the truck. We'd take them back to the house, get the log splitter out, split them, and pile them up. I was in the best shape of my life when I lived in West Tennessee. I, was gonna... I don't know if you've ever been there, but there's hills. Mm -hmm. it, it's very hilly. So when we were picking up the, the logs before they were split, we had to walk up a slight embankment. And that's, so I was going to say, just hearing that, if listening back to it as well, so much movement and all the things that you did, there, there was so much more that we just had to do. And none of that was, I went and did a CrossFit exercise or whatever, kettlebell thing. It was just, okay, this is what we do. We, that there's movement involved. We're lugging this and, and then we kind of have to do it. It was throughout the day. Um, and you were in the best shape of your life without having to necessarily probably think about doing exercise. I did exercise. Like, you did exercise as well? Was that the yeah, plank time? Were you doing planks there? Do what? Were you doing planks at that time as well? Yes, I was. Yeah. And my big, my big thing, it was uh, one of my favorite exercises is to do like Tai Bowl because mm -hmm. it just gets that aggression out, the punching, the kicking, not that I'm imagining I'm hitting anybody, but just the, just the movements itself, it just releases aggression. Another one I really like is doing the step with the weights mm -hmm. because you get the cardio and, the, you know, we're uh, toning at the same time. So Absolutely. yeah. But my husband would always be like, we just got done doing this. Why are you going to exercise? And I said, I said, because it's different. And it is different. I was, my son was playing baseball and I was talking to this gentleman and I had had a, a DVD, an exercise DVD. And for whatever reason, I told him he could have it. So he was all hyped up and thought it was great because he was like, yeah, the work I do, I'm always carrying, uh, he was carrying boxes upstairs all the time. So he thought he would have no problem doing this workout. He was like, wow. He's like, that, that's, I thought I would be able to handle it. He's like, I couldn't even get through the whole thing. So for, for me, just, just because I was out there 
and you know doing what I was doing it just I knew that my body needed still something more and you make a really good point here because a lot of times um we we aren't very active and then we have to do something and right now it's the holidays so I'm many people are reaching up into attics and getting things out that are heavier than they might need to be lifting and they're going overhead bending backwards and this is where you see so many people throwing out their backs and doing things to their shoulder and rotator cuff. And so it's these times in our lives when all of a sudden we have to do something that's more demanding of our body than what it's used to. And by exercising, we're able to upkeep that without it necessarily being all the time, the time that you have to pull things down from the attic and do all of it. So exercise can be great uh, in, in, in that sense as well, because just every now and again, being active by pulling things down is it probably going to be enough? Well, the thing is too, is that using the weights actually builds bone density. So you're strengthening your bones. So you're going to have, you're going to have less of a chance of hurting yourself or like you were talking about the rotator cuff and whatnot, you know, when our, when our body's used to moving different, different ways and, you know, and we go ahead and we move that way, and our body's not used to us, we're more apt to hurt ourselves. But if we're moved in a variety of different ways already, we're less likely to hurt, hurt ourselves. And that's, it's, it's a beautiful point. Um, something I love talking about is the sort of, I break it down into three types of movements that we really do. Um, forwards, backwards, side to side, and then twisting. And so most of our lives is forward, backward. We have things right in front of us, we reach for them, and then we pull them to ourselves. That's really what we do. It's forwards and backwards. There's still, there's some side to side um, that, that we may do where we reach to the sides or do that, but there's very little twisting that we do. And it, so little twisting that a lot of times to twist can be to injure something. People yeah. will twist their ankle or, and that's one of the things that I talk about of, of variety, what you're saying with movement is start to reintroduce some more twisting into your life gently, because as soon as people, they'll start doing like Russian twists or anything else, they'll grab weights and they'll start twisting with them. Like, Whoa, your body hasn't been doing that for a while. Just right. expose it to twisting even without it and then go. And that can be a really interesting way. If you're tired of your old workout routine, can you find a places to just add twists with those exercises? Because you can do a squat and then you can do a squat as you twist slightly to one side and to the right. other side, completely different exercise. Um, and so, but you're, you're right on it. It's variety of movement. And the more and more we can practice, the, the less we're going to hurt ourselves or less likely, I should say that we're going to hurt ourselves as we do life. Right. Or you could even put on that song, the twist. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's my mom's go-to dance move. That's the one that she does all the time. You know, that's out of the song, ironically. And that's something that people don't realize is just dancing. Yes. You know, I mean, we you know, we're talking about exercise and stuff. I mean, even with exercise, it doesn't necessarily mean you're grabbing weights or you know, you're doing this rigor going to the gym. It can be as easy as dancing. Definitely. And I, I encourage anybody who's, who's not much of a dancer and thinks that, oh yeah, I, I, I work out and I, and I do it. I'm not either, but um, just dance, just put on a song or two and dance all the way through. Don't dance for a minute and then go, okay, okay. I'm done. See how out of breath you may be because honestly, 
Um, I, as I said, may not be a good dancer, but I can sometimes be a bit of an intense dancer. I don't, I don't mind moving my body. And so I'm very much out of breath and it gets, gets the heart pumping uh, when you dance and a variety of movement, just like you said, it's, it's wonderful. And I think it's important too to put on like something that's upbeat and happy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, then, and just go ahead and dance. And I'm, I'm like you, I mean, I, I don't have any of the moves, but I, I, I can move, you know, I, I told some people, I said, I look like, and I really shouldn't say this because it, first off, it's, it's very negative, but I've told people that I, when I dance, I look like I'm standing up having a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just kind of all over but you know what you're you're in your house you're by yourself who cares and it stimulates the vagus nerve yes absolutely it's it's a win-win you know you you can't and not only that but then you're also uh generating neurotransmitters and hormones so it's not just my my daughter she took a pooping Mm -hmm. loop Except it, it's more because it, she has like a weighted hoop. Oh, They're yes. Making, I've seen those. Yeah, they make the weighted hoops. and I, So she's had that. But when I talk hooping, it's just not around her waist. She's going on her arms and mm-hmm, her legs. Mm-hmm. She has music going, you know. But I always tell people, well, if you're going to exercise, find something that you enjoy doing. Because if you don't enjoy doing it, you're not going to do it. Uh, absolutely. And that's, that's a huge portion of it is that people get stuck in these, oh, I have to do this specific routine and I have to do these specific exercises. There are certain things you should incorporate. For example, you should probably move your legs. You shouldn't only move from your wrist to your fingertips and say, that's it. That's the only exercise I'm ever going to do. Um, there's a little, that's it, right? There's a little more that we should do, but other than that, it's really, our body just knows movement. And this is the one part that I think is always funny is people go, well, my chart says I have to do this many repetitions of this specific exercise. I'm like, your body doesn't have a chart. It didn't know that you did 12 or 11 or your body just knows that it moved. <laughs> so right. that's, that's the important part uh, for your body. And yes, I, whether it be hula hooping, I tried one of those weighted hoop ones. Um, it hurt my midsection. Not actually, but it was just, it was more than I, what I bargained for. <laughs> Well, she actually, when she first started using it, she landed up with bruises on her hips. Uh, yeah, I never checked mine, but I'm, I might have had them. Um, yeah, and it's maybe just something that you have to sort of get used to. And that is possibly another part is that just because you, made, you may have enjoyed a portion of it, but you didn't enjoy the entirety of whatever workout part you did, give it a little bit of time. Don't judge it by that first part because the first day back to the gym or wherever else it might be. Yeah. It's probably going to be a little bit miserable with something you're not used to. It's uncomfortable, but as you keep going, you're going to find that it's maybe a little bit more pleasant. Now, if you're still going for a month and you're in utter misery, yeah, don't stop doing that. That's (laughs) you're not going to continue that. There's no reason to, to be miserable. No, you have to, like I said, you need to find something that you enjoy doing and it, just something as simple as dancing, you know, it, that, that works the whole body and burn some good calories that way. Um, what about children? Um, I mean, we have our kids, you know, not my, my homeschool mind, but you have kids getting on the school buses, 
taking an hour to get to school, then they get inside of school and then they're sitting for how many more hours back on the bus, they're sitting some more. Yeah. For kids. Um, I, I did a whole talk on, on it's, it's getting worse and worse and the older. So uh, after about fifth grade, the amount of schools that have recess drops drastically. Um, and so kids are, they're just sitting the entire, most of the hours that they're there, they're sitting. Um, schools are opting out of recess, so they're not getting that in between. Sure, some kids are still going out and they're still kind of pursuing that, but they are having that increase of sitting, sitting, sitting. So sports, at least they have that because, but unfortunately we're seeing more and more kids are, are saying, yeah, I don't like sports are too competitive. And that's partially because sports are being run by adults. And so adults are trying to make sports, not for the kids, but for the adults right. uh, as we get into high school and all that. But really the best thing is to make sure that a kid plays. But if you're a parent, it's so easy. And this is coming from somebody who's not a parent. So take it with a grain of salt or maybe the pound of salt that it's supposed to come with. But it, it's easy to go, hey, go play, go outside and play. But if you can actually go and play with them, even if it's not for the whole time, even if it's for that five minutes and they can see that, hey, you're doing it too, not only are you improving your health, you're helping to improve their health as well. So as much as I understand the whole iPad parenting thing of, hey, here, you have a screen, I need to do my, my other things. I'm not a parent, so I'm not going to say that you should never do that. You can make your own choices as a parent, but if that's what you're doing, also consider doing a, hey, let's go play and move for five minutes. When I'm at the playground, am I the parent that's sitting and just waiting for my kid? Or am I actually participating a little bit in it as well? The more that you can instill that movement in them, the more that you're actually going to benefit yourself and their future as well. Well, we lived in Tennessee on the weekends, like uh, Sunday. Uh, Sundays after we got done eating lunch, we would go outside and toss around the football, play badminton, toss around the Frisbee. You know, and I, I enjoyed doing that. I enjoyed doing that with the kids. Yeah. And it's, it's sometimes so much more fun than it is to do your, your kind of exercises. Cause a lot of people will go, oh, I need to go for a walk because I should exercise more. Go throw a Frisbee around. Um, right. it, the time flies way faster than when you're just on a walk by yourself. Um, and this is coming from somebody who does two walks a day and I love my walks, but a Frisbee is still more fun. Yeah. But you could always find a friend to walk with. Absolutely. I know my uh, sister-in-law that lives in Michigan, she had a friend that she used to walk with her every, every evening they would go for a walk. Yeah. And um, evening walks are fantastic. Uh, after dinner is a great time to go for a walk. Wait about 15, 30 minutes. And then that's the ideal. 30 minutes after is the perfect time to go in terms of blood sugar. Um, that, that has been shown to, uh, to reduce the spike uh, in blood sugar. So interesting on facts for everyone. Um, but, and it's not as if, oh no, I waited 45 minutes. That's it. No walk for me. No, no, go on the walk. Even if it's two hours after dinner, it's still going to be better than not going at it at all. But if you're thinking when's the best time, about a half an hour after dinner, going for a walk and it's great for bonding for the family. So, well, and that's the thing too, is that, you know, people don't spend a lot of time with their family. You know, it, it amazes me. Because I think about all the technology we have and how, how much easier it is for us to, or, you know, do the dishes, just throw them in the machine and the machine does it for you. But it seems like 
even though we have all this technology to help make our lives easier, it seems like somehow we've become busier than we've ever been before. Absolutely. Um, and some of this is when, when I've talked about this and thought through it all is we're having a lot more mental demands on us. The amount of how easily information is accessible to us. We have the internet. So, oh, we found all this information. Um, and so before, if we think about pre-internet, in order to find out some of these things of, okay, well, how do I even maybe like fix a dishwasher or how do I plant this specific plant? You had to go, you had to ask people, you had to maybe go to the library, find a book. There were so many other things you had to do. Now we're having more and more where it's immediately available. And so there's no process in the middle. And this is also seen in something as like the Zoom meetings over people are having meetings back to back to back. Whereas in before we met with somebody, we had the walk down the hallway. We had the drive from the lunch where we had the meeting with them. We had time to process. We had time to ourselves to understand what it is. And then all of a sudden we're going, uh, my brain is fried because we're constantly having information put in over and over and over. And that makes us accessible as well, that technology. So people think they can get a touch of, in touch with us all the time, text, phone, email. And so we're not putting in those pauses. So I, I think that's, that's the bigger part of we're busy because we can be, but not because we should be. Right. Going back to the, to the kids. Now mm -hmm. I can speak because I have, I have three biological children and three stepchildren. With technology, gaming systems, their time was limited as to how long they could, they could be on there. Um, none of my kids had a cell phone until they were able, all grown up and able to pay for it for themselves. I, I see no reason for it, you know, and not only that, but and let's look at the electromagnetic field. And now kids are being exposed to it in schools because the schools are starting to use computers. So what is this doing to their DNA, to, the, to their ability to, to learn? You know, are they just dumbing down our children so much to where they can't even write their name? They, I heard that they were taking the analog clocks out of the schools. So now, you know, you're gonna tell, you can't tell the time if you have, see a clock with hands on it. Mm -hmm. they don't, it's, gonna, it's gonna become like the, the dial-up phones. What the heck is this? Yeah, and I, I had that experience so many years ago and it's baffling that it this was already starting so many years ago i was taking i think it was like the sats or something i was in high school it was way back when and um i was sitting for the test and we were asked to write down what time it was that we were taking this test and somebody in the back went i don't know how to tell time by that and because they could only do analog clocks they didn't understand how to what how to do it otherwise with the hands and I was like, wow, you're about to take this test. That's, that might be a little bit of an issue um, <laughs> with, with that. In terms of um, electromagnetic fields, there's, it's, an, it's an issue. And we're building up more and more things because we're not only talking about just devices now. We're talking about how do these devices connect to each other. So we're talking about all the things like uh, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth. These, these are constant fields because that's what they're interacting on is electromagnetic fields. Right. So if that's constantly around us, now we're getting an, uh, an increased amount of 5G. I, I think we're going to be seeing more and more of 
how this is affecting us. The um, kind of scary part is that we don't really know all the effects because they're most likely long-term. And so we may not know how it affects us in five years, 10 years, but it's that 20, 30, 50 year mark that we're starting to go, oh, we probably shouldn't have been doing that specific thing. However, we've had so many things in our lives that we haven't um, done, you know, and, and things that we used to use mercury in various thermometers or whatever else it might be. Right. And, and th there were a lot of things that we went, yeah, this is a good idea. And then later on, we realized maybe not so much. So I, I think that this is going against that other part of the scale of where, yeah, we're tipping a little too far, but I, it's going to tip back because either we're going to reduce the amount that we use it. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but we're going to find safer ways um, to use it and what to do. Some people go as far as they don't have Wi-Fi in their homes. Everything is connected through uh, Ethernet. Um, but that's who can do that? Who can afford to do that and isolate their entire house from Wi-Fi? That's uh, it's very expensive. That's not a common practice. Um, but getting away from a phone, some people have said this is an interesting metaphor almost that we are kind of becoming like cyborgs in a way simply because we have a phone now, we have access to the internet and we have access to all of this knowledge. So to your point about our kids becoming dumber, it's hard to know because the world is so different now. It's great to know um, who the 19th president was, but you now have a phone that can look up exactly who it was. So should you learn how to use the phone or should you memorize the piece of information? And that's, it, it's hard. We're still evolving into this all. We, we don't know. But overall, I, I do think that we're getting a little bit overly saturated with technology. Right. You know, and the computers and the technology was around when my kids were younger. And, and as I said before, I, ho I homeschooled them. Mm -hmm. So I taught, we had encyclopedias. I taught my children how to use an encyclopedia. They were taught how to actually use a dictionary you know, they were taught these things. So when other people were using the internet to do the, uh, these things, other kids, mine were actually doing stuff old school. Mm -hmm. you, you, you never know what's going to happen, you know, and that knowledge is power. Absolutely. You know, there, there's just certain things that I believe that the schools are doing that are not being, you can't, they're, they're not good. They're not justifiable to that child's education or that child's future as far as I'm concerned. And that I think um, the, the other part with that is, is it's right. So you could teach a child how to use their phone for or the internet for whatever it is. But if they're helpless, as soon as you take that away, what good is that? What, right. Uh, because we... We're not at the point right now in society and in everything where there's absolutely no reason you will ever be away from your phone. There are plenty of reasons. There are plenty of situations where you may not have service, whatever, whatever it is. So we can't completely say that's it. You know, old information is useless. You don't need to memorize. You could do it all on your phone. Sure, you can do many things on your phone. You should learn how to use it, but you can't rely on it entirely. No. No, I totally agree. And I really, excuse me, I really don't think children need to have phones and especially holding it to their, to their head mm -hmm. because their children have more water in their, their 
the heads and their brains. And there's been studies that are showing how the radiation from the phone is affecting the brain and whatnot. But we are at the top of the hour. So why don't you let people know where they can go ahead and find you and leave us with any last thoughts? Sure. So if anybody wants to find some more of this kind of information, I post most of my things on, on Instagram at stefan.zavalin. Um, and then if you want to just learn more and read up more, I have various videos on things at ltmmtl.com. Um, and you can, you can find me at stefan.zavalin at ltmmtl.com or on LinkedIn. Those are my main, main ways, but I'm also on Facebook. I'm not going to turn you down because you found me on something else. But my biggest takeaway is sort of what I said near the beginning is that it is wonderful for us to think that we need to exercise more and we need to move more. But it feels that we've been hit over the head with that club repeatedly over the last several decades of being told that we need to do more, 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 more. And life is so busy and so full. And it's just maybe finding that way to how can we possibly do things with sitting less. Um, I've got a, a TED talk actually coming out at the beginning of January, basically sums that up. And I've got a book called sit less, same idea, because I'm really just trying to get that message out of maybe it's not about doing more. Maybe it's really just about doing something different, less. Right. Can you spell your name for the listening audience, please? Yes. S-T-E-F-A-N and Zavalin is Z-A-V-A-L-I-N. Great. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here, Stefan. I was a, a pleasure. Uh, gaining some knowledge is always a good thing because knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for your time. And to the listening audience, keep shining your light.